Well, I love this Advent season. I love the Christmas season. And I have been enjoying this sermon series, and I hope you have as well, on Light of the World, as we've been going through the Gospel of John and highlighting the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about Jesus being the source of light and where he made the first step so that we may have life. And then last week, we talked about we only have a little while. Remember that? Just a little while to place our faith in Jesus and come to the light. And so we don't want to miss that opportunity because darkness will never overcome the light of Jesus, but it can overtake us. Jesus came into the world to save us, but the problem is that we often love darkness instead of the light. And darkness represents this world's evil as well as our sin and unbelief. There's darkness all around us as we live in a fallen world. My wife and I used to tell our girls when they were younger that nothing good happens at night. <laughs> I know it's a little bit overdramatic there and a little overgeneralization, but we used to say that to them when we told them they couldn't sleep over at a friend's house or we didn't want them to stay out too late because we said nothing good happens at night. Because nightlife is often correlated with partying and drinking and drug use and gambling and pornography or other things that are done in secret. And there's an increased incident of violent crimes that happen at night, such as burglary or battery or sexual assault. And oftentimes they happen in dark alleys or dark corners. There's darkness all around us. But there's also darkness within us. Spiritual darkness is living in rebellion against God and his will. It is living in separation from God due to our fallen state of sin. It is rejecting God and his truth and succumbing to the passions of the world. There are many examples of this darkness within us. First of all, it would be if we don't believe in God if there's unbelief, or if we don't fully trust in God. Or maybe there's that selfishness and pride where we just want to demand our own way, or anger and unforgiveness where we might explode or hold a grudge, or addictions such as pornography or vaping or cutting or a love of money, or watching crude television shows or movies or reels, or putting others down just to make ourselves look better, or cheating on tests or being unfaithful in relationships, that list could go on and on. Unfortunately, we are often drawn to the darkness and we hide in the darkness, being worried about being exposed. Or we seek these short-term pleasures or satisfaction or personal glory in this world versus the eternal and everlasting joy that we can have in Jesus. So joy is our Advent candle that we get to light this morning. Advent means arrival or coming. And during this time of year, we celebrate the arrival and birth of Jesus, as well as look forward to his second coming in the future. And a couple weeks ago, we lit the candle of hope. Last week, we lit the candle of peace. And today, the candle is pink. It's the candle of joy. It's a mixture between the three purple candles of hope, peace, and love, as well as the Christ candle, which is white. In 2 Samuel 22:29, it said, The Lord, you, Lord, are my lamp. The Lord turns my darkness 
into light. And we can experience his joy today and forevermore because the Lord turns our darkness into light. And so what should our response be to that? Well, let's always go to God's word to learn what that response should be. So I'd encourage you this morning to grab your Bibles, if you would, please. There's also Bibles under the front seat pockets. We'll have it up on the screen. But if you could grab your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of John. It's the fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. And once you find John, chapter 3, please stand with me, if you would, in reverence to God and his word. And then just listen closely as I read John chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Your word, Lord, is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Your word is truth. And we are here this morning to learn from your word, Lord. So just speak through me to speak the words to everyone's heart in here this morning that you want to speak. Help us to walk out of here different than how we came in, God. Teach us through your word. Holy Spirit, work within our hearts. Reveal our hearts. Expose our hearts to what you want to expose this morning as we desire to come into your light. Jesus, thank you for being a light. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So hopefully as you just listen to the words of that passage, or if you studied it prior to coming in this morning, that you made some observations of your own. And I just want to share some of the observations that I made when I was reading through this passage. First of all, we see a familiar verse, John 3.16. It's a familiar verse that most of us probably recognize as we read that this morning. And we also saw the word for and for God listed right in, in verses 16 as well as 17. We see God's one and only Son stated in verses 16, 17, and 18. And we see a couple key words mentioned. One is the word world. We see that five times. We see the word believe four times. And we see that connecting word but listed four times as well, where it shows that there's contrasts throughout this passage. Contrasts such as say versus condemn, believe versus not believe, light versus darkness, and fear versus living by the truth. And then we see that word love. Right off the bat, it says, for God so loved the world. But later we read that people loved darkness. It breaks my heart. 
And then we see that word exposed, in seen, in sight of God. So there's a lot of observations that we can make in this passage. And so where do we start? Well, let's start first with John 3.16, which is arguably the most famous verse referenced in the Bible, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We have seen John 3.16 plastered in numerous places, places such as under Tim Tebow's eyes, right? Or in the In-N-Out Burger, we see it on the bottom of their soda cups, and we've seen it on the bags of Forever 21 shopping bags. And of course, we see many signs of John 3.16 at sporting events, football games, basketball games, baseball games, and I recently just learned about the backstory of how John 3.16 became a fixture at these different events. A man by the name of Rock and Roland Stewart is also known as the Rainbow Man. He was a man who had a desire to be famous. And so he forced his way onto TV many times at different events. At these events that he would attend, he would watch the cameras And as soon as the camera came to him, he would jump out in his crazy rainbow wig so that he could get exposure because he wanted exposure to attract attention to himself. And then after watching a televangelist in the late 70s and early 80s, the rainbow man became convinced that the end times were imminent. He was even convinced that Jesus' second coming would happen in 1992. Well, we know that that didn't happen, (laughs) but he did. He believed in 1992 Jesus would come back. And so he wanted to spread the gospel message to as many people as possible and as quickly as he could. Therefore, he began holding signs or wearing T-shirts with John 3.16 at every major event that he could get into. Sporting events, the Kentucky Derby, the Olympics, the royal wedding of Princess Di and Prince Charles, (laughs) in the political party national conventions. But unfortunately, his actions eventually turned extremely disruptive as well as violent, and he is now serving three life sentences in prison. Unfortunately, Rock and Roland Stewart seemed more focused on the fame and glory that he could get himself, as well as doing his own will instead of the Lord's. And that's a reminder to each of us today that the gospel is not about a superficial sign or just words on a page, but it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. That brings us to the first point, which is to be exposed to a God who transforms lives. The gospel message is about God's transformation of our hearts and lives for his fame and glory, not our own. And so what is that gospel message? And how does God teach and transform us? Well, Jesus tells us in John 3.16. And notice that John 3.16 starts with that word for. So it reminds us to go back and to see what came before. And in the start of chapter 3, Jesus is speaking to a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a prominent leader and teacher in the Jewish community. And he came to Jesus at night. Interesting, huh? And being that he came at night could possibly mean that he was in spiritual darkness himself or that he was fearful of others seeing him with Jesus. 
Have you ever been afraid of being seen with Jesus? By family members, or friends, or neighbors, or coworkers? Well, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night with questions. With questions after witnessing the signs and miracles that Jesus had done. And just like the many people who have seen the John 3.16 signs today, Nicodemus had seen and witnessed miraculous signs that, was, that were done by Jesus. And the question becomes, how would he respond? And Jesus tells Nicodemus that unless someone is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And born again is also translated as born from above. Being born again is spiritual birth, which cleanses us from sin and brings spiritual transformation and renewal. And to enter the kingdom of God, one must experience something beyond just observing signs. It's not about knowledge. It's not about reading or witnessing a sign. It's about believing and being transformed by God, about being born again. A.W. Tozer says, we can know the right words, yet never be changed. This is the difference between information and transformation. And so what are we to believe? Well, if we go on to read in verses 14 and 15, Jesus tells Nicodemus that just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes, everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus references a story from Numbers 21 where Moses made a bronze snake and he set it on a pole. And whenever a poisonous snake bit the Israelites, if they just looked at that raised bronze snake, they would live and not die. So Jesus is comparing his own death on the cross to that of the uplifted snake where our sin bites us and leads us to death. But Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, being lifted up on the cross, being ascended into heaven, paid our death sentence. And he died for our sins so that we may live. And that brings us now to John 3.16. And note how it starts. It says, for God. For God is how it starts because God is the one who takes the first step. It is by his grace that we can be saved. And the way that God showed his love for the world was to give his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And it is only through our belief in Jesus that we can be saved. There's no other way. And we must not take that lightly. Why? Well, we read in verse 4, we see that second, or verse 17, where we see that second 4, where it says, For God did not send his son Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. Jesus came to bring salvation to us. And what distinguishes those who are saved and those who are condemned is believing in Jesus. Whoever believes is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Ephesians 2, 1 through 2 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Everyone who does not believe is condemned already because of sin. And the only way to be saved is to believe in Jesus, who saves us from our sin so that we may have eternal life. 
Ephesians 2 goes on to read, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And so what do we need to do? We must believe. That word believe is mentioned almost a hundred times in the Gospel of John. It means to have faith in something, to believe in the person of Jesus and to fully place our trust in him. We must choose to believe in Jesus. It's a faith decision. And the purpose of John's Gospel in writing all about Jesus' miraculous signs according to John 20, 31, was so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing we may have life in his name. Believing in Jesus is not about signs, but it's about transformation that he does in our lives for all who believe in him and we are born again. And so what is holding us back from believing and surrendering to Jesus? What is holding us back? Well, it brings us to the second point, which is the light, who is Jesus, exposes our darkness. In verse 19, we're given a verdict. So just picture yourself right now in a courtroom. I picture myself in the courtroom where Jack Nicholson tells Tom Cruise in the movie A Few Good Men, he says, you can't handle the truth. You guys seen that? Yeah, yeah. Well, the truth and the verdict that we read here in verse 19 is that the light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. That's a hard truth to swallow. We just read about how God so loved the world and therefore sent Jesus, the light, into the world to save us. Yet we love darkness because our deeds are evil. In fact, everyone who does evil hates the light, where we prefer to live in darkness instead of coming into the light. Well, why? Well, there could be multiple reasons. First of all, it could be because our hearts are so hardened that we don't want to believe in Jesus in the first place, and so we reject him. And our unbelief could stem from being so self-righteous that we think we know our own way in truth and life. Or we, we may believe that God's word in Jesus is just a hoax made up by religious fanatics. Or we may want to come to the light, but we worry too much about what our family or our friends or our neighbors may say about us or even reject or disown us. Another reason we may stay in darkness is because we love our sinful ways just way too much. Or we love that short-term satisfaction of power and pride and wealth and alcohol and sex and we fear that surrendering to Jesus and his ways and his truth will not be as fun as enjoying such worldly pleasures. Sadly, though, those shallow pleasures leave us empty instead of enjoying the abundance of blessings and joy that Jesus offers. Or another big reason it says in these verses that we may not want to come into the light is that we do not want our sinful ways to be exposed. It's just too shameful. We don't want God and others to know about the things that we do in secret, the things that we're looking at on our screens, our relationships that we know we should not be having, or those behaviors we know that we're doing that are just morally wrong. Oh, how I pray that we let Jesus' light expose our unbelief and sin 
because Jesus calls us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Well, there have been many times in my own life when I've wanted to hide in darkness. And I remember a specific time in my life when I felt the Lord calling me to bring to light some shame that I had pushed down and I had hidden for years and honestly thought that I would hide for my whole life. But I knew it was something I couldn't expose on my own, but I needed the Holy Spirit's strength in doing so. And I spent hours in prayer, honestly just wanting it to just go away. But I yet I knew that the Lord was calling me out of darkness and he was asking me to trust him with it. And with God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, I was able to open up to some trustworthy friends. I'm so thankful for this group of guys that truly lives out Proverbs 27, 17 of iron sharpening iron and how God used them to sharpen me. And I just felt this amazing weight lifted off once I was no longer hiding in that darkness. And I could feel Jesus' light beginning to shine in my darkness And since then, I have been really growing in my faith. I desire to be more fully known by God as well as by others. Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 11 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So what are you afraid of exposing this morning? We're going to enter into a time of communion right now. I'm going to invite our host team members, our ushers up, who are going to help pass the communion trays. And for each person here who believes in Jesus, I encourage you to take a piece of the bread, a cup of the juice, so you can participate in communion with us. If you are joining us online, I ask that you grab some of the communion elements at home, some crackers, some juice, so you can participate as well. We do have some gluten-free communion elements up here too. If you need to have the gluten-free, please do that so we can partake together and celebrate communion together. And while the trays are being passed, let's take some time to be in prayer 1 Corinthians 11, 27 to 28 says, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. This is an opportunity to examine our hearts, to ask the Lord to reveal any darkness in our hearts that need to be exposed to his light If you already know what that darkness is, take the time to confess that sin right now and seek Jesus' forgiveness. Pray also that Jesus reveals any other darkness that needs to be brought to the light. Let's take the time right now as the elements are being passed to pray silently right where you're at. Examine your hearts. Let the Lord examine your hearts as we prepare our hearts for communion. While Jesus was with his disciples to eat the Passover meal on the night that he was betrayed he took the bread he gave thanks 
he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. And in the same way, after the supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let's drink together. Father, we thank you for your sacrifice that you gave and sent your one and only son into this world to save us. Jesus, thank you for the suffering that you endured for our sin so that we could have eternal life. You are the bread of life, Lord. Your blood that you shed for us was done so that we could be saved we could have eternal life. Thank you for coming into this world to be the light of this world. In the midst of our darkness, we give you all praise and glory. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the last verse of our passage contrasts living in darkness with now living by the truth. In verse 21, it says, but whoever, believe, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So living by the truth first involves knowing the truth. That's why it's so important that we immerse ourselves in God's word each and every day so that we can learn about and understand his truth. This month, we've been encouraging all of us to go through a December scripture reading calendar. If you haven't received one of those yet, I know we have some in the back, but it's just going through a verse each day that talks about Jesus being the light of the world amongst our darkness. You can also find it online at faithy.org under resources. But we'd encourage you to participate in being in God's word every day, whether it's through that scripture calendar or whatever you're reading. It's important to be immersed in God's word. Yet we don't want to be like Nicodemus, who had much knowledge, but he lacked belief. Because God is the one who transforms our hearts to be able to live by the truth. That brings us to our third point, which is to expose Jesus' light. As we are transformed into children of God, we yearn for God's truth. We want more and more of it. Children of God delight in Jesus' presence and we welcome his teaching because we desire to do what is pleasing to God. And we're drawn to the light and want to be exposed for doing what God wants us to do because we want to walk in the light as he is in the light. Living by the truth is not about holding a sign. No, it's exhibited in the way that we live. And we can only live righteously because God is at work in us. And as we rely on the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, God carries out our works. Yet don't be surprised when the light in us may expose the darkness in other people's lives or that they pull back from us as we live more and more by the truth. 
Well, God provides the opportunity to shine Jesus' light through us to those in our neighborhoods and families and our workplaces and ways for all to see God's glory. I love our map of Billings over here. You can see all the lights that are shining across the community of Billings and the surrounding areas. Those lights represent you. What an opportunity to shine Jesus' light amongst all the neighborhoods within Billings. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Being a light for Jesus begins with his work in our own hearts. And by his grace, we may be saved, but we have a choice to believe in Jesus or not. When exposed to Jesus and we choose to believe, he can transform our lives. And Jesus' light exposes our darkness. And in doing so, he calls us out of darkness and into his wonderful light where we can confess and repent of our sins and seek the Holy Spirit's help to live by the truth. We began this morning with, for God. As for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Well, we're also gonna end with, for God. As the ultimate purpose of us being exposed is for God. It's for God's glory and not our own where we can expose and shine Jesus' light to a weary world that desperately needs it for God. There's three things I ask you as we walk away today to take away with you this morning. First is to choose to believe and be born again. If you have not done that yet, I pray that today is the morning that you do. And if that is you and you make that choice this morning, it's the greatest choice of your life and I'd love to celebrate with you after the service and pray with you after that. I also encourage all of us to come into the light and to confess our sins. And lastly, to live by God's truth. To know as well as obey God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this morning, this time that you've given us to be together a time that we can lift our voices up to you in praise. Thank you, Jesus, that you came into this world as a light of the world to save us from our sin and darkness and that we have the opportunity to believe in you so that we may not perish but have eternal life. And again, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that has not done that, that this is the morning that you do. Pray right now, Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive my sins and I look forward to eternal life with you. For all of us, may we walk out of here desiring to come out of the darkness and into Jesus' wonderful light, but we can't do it alone. Holy Spirit, work through us each and every day so that we can shine your light, Jesus, to a world that desperately needs it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So just a couple of announcements as we come to a close. First of all, if you came prepared to give of your tithes and offerings, we do have boxes in the back that you can put those in as you leave. Also, Pastor Paul mentioned earlier, but Christmas Eve services are coming up just in two weeks. We'd love for you to invite a friend, a family member, a neighbor. We have some invite cards in the back. And lastly, if you would like some prayer, we'd love to pray with you. We want to pray with you and journey with you 
as you come out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. So please stand with me if you would so I can pray a benediction over you. From 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. I love you all. Have a great week shining Jesus' light in your neighborhoods.